the Connell Tribune, Thursday, 6th of September, 2018. Sport, the new opium of the people. George Orwell, a writer of great esteem, Spanish Civil War veteran, author of Homage to Catalonia, 1984, An Animal Farm, ventures into the sporting arena with the following thoughts. Serious sport has nothing to do with fair play. It is hatred, jealousy, boastfulness, disregard of rules, in other words, it is war without the shooting. When strong feelings of rivalry arouse, the notion of playing the game according to the rules always vanishes. People want to see one side on top and the other humiliated. They forget that victory gained through cheating is meaningless. I don't think Orwell was referring to the Limerick or Galway hurlers or the magnificent scenes in Limerick when they brought Liam McCarthy home or indeed last weekend with Dublin and Tyrone. It was more likely alluding to professional sports where obscene financial inducements have distorted the game, nowhere more apparent than in the EPL. Liverpool's Bill Shankly once famously observed, football's not about life and death, it's more important. In reality, of course, we know that's not true, but sometimes in the emotion of it all, sport transcends life and makes it all the more worthwhile living for embracing the beautiful game, or even Joe Brawley in the Sunday game. Nevertheless, while we expect the sporting world to exude an honesty like the original Olympics in Greece, the reality is cheating in sport is endemic in the modern era. Terry Henry using his hand to put us out of the World Cup in 2010, Glasgow Rangers buying their way to nine titles in a row in the 90s while dodging the taxman amid all sorts of scams with international players they couldn't afford. We've seen the state of ath- athletics at the Olympics where a myriad of supplements are taken to achieve success in a sporting setting which should personify true, true sporting honesty in competition, but big financial rewards have taken over. The Tour de France and Lawrence Armstrong, Ben Johnson at the 88 Olympics, and it's not just the physical side of it, gambling and fixing football games has become a major form of cheating. In boxing, as we witnessed with Michael Conlon at the Olympics, can be fixed by dodgy judges. Horse racing and greyhounds, famously known for getting a required result. GA players have revealed there's a major gambling culture within the organisation. Hopefully it doesn't extend to betting against yourself or team, as has been the case in other team sports. Golf. Apparently the only sport that was above cheating, according to Lord Kalalan, former president of the Olympi- Olymp- International Olympic Committee, suffers as anyone who plays the little white ball game can testify to. The handicap systems already allow golfers of all standard compete with each other, but as everyone is aware of, the handicap system is abused in every club in the country. Players carrying extra shots just to win that wee bit of crystal. Jesus, as Frank Kelly observed one day in Dunfanny, if they wanted that much, we would bet for them. During the Celtic Tiger years, it was sickening to see teams of bandits travelling the country to play in classics and smiling as they picked up four large green Sony TVs or maybe a four ball at the K Club. It's a strange mentality. There are two types of golfers, those who want to get their handicap down as low as possible and just enjoy the game. And then there are those who fell in their handicap to win prizes, essentially cheating. Why do it? 
sports people should be above it, but the financial rewards are so high within professionalism that it's become the norm. Players dive in to claim a penalty as if they've been shot by a sniper. Big Sam Allardyce, not content with four million per annum deal with the English national team, set up dodgy deals on the side. Probably more to do with greed than cheating, but in reality in the same vein. When Thierry Henry caressed the ball with his hand to lay on the goal to put us out of the World Cup in 2010 in South Africa, it wasn't just a matter that our team wouldn't be there, but it deprived us of a wonderful mouth-watering month watching Trapp's journeymen competing with the world's best. The beautiful game would give us all the escapism we need to get away from David McWilliams, Eddie Hobbs, Ivan Yates and the sad talking to Joe with the doom and gloom merchants. In another year of horrible reality in real life, Hurricane Irma, Mexican earthquake, the siren attack in Syria, wildfires in Greece, Islamic State and lone wolf atrocities, the influence of sport in our lives was never highlighted in greater fashion than seeing Limerick lift the lame McCarthy after 45 years, or indeed France take a second World Cup in Moscow. The Galacticos of Real Madrid winning a third Champions League in a row. Leinster winning the Champions Cup for the fourth time or the Raider Cup in France in September. Terry Eglinton, former professor of literature at Oxford, once said, There is evil and then there is evil. While the old relationship stimulant might help the wee Taliban keep the Yanks at bay in Afghanistan, for the rest of us our little fix of sport is really what life's all about. Recession, Celtic Tiger, recession again, good times, budgetary measures to get us out of the mess the bankers got us into. Who really cares about budget deficits when we win the Grand Slam or the hockey girls get to the final? Was the economic crisis in the minds of many when Katie Taylor or Bernard Dunn won their titles? Would trade imbalance, negative equity or GDP have stopped the Green Army heading to Moscow in their thousands this summer if we had qualified. Who gives a toss about leeches like Fingleton or Fitzpatrick? But Rory winning majors or Donegal winning Sam sets the adrenaline flowing. The Celtic Tiger was great while it lasted, but financing the lifestyles of the corporate sector just doesn't do it for the plebs, but sport does. Missing out on Russia this summer was a serious blow to our self-esteem. We hate missing out in the party. Germany 88, Italia 90, Giant Stadium New York 94, Saipan 02, Poland 12, France 16 were great summers for the travelling army and those left at home. These are moments to treasure, as they say life's too short to drink cheap wine and it's definitely too short to travel an hour and sit in a traffic jam to buy cheap beans and dairy. Participation in Moscow would have brought great excitement to our sports-mad country. It's our adrenaline fix. We've seen it at Italian 90 and the Raider Cup at the K Club. We might be minnows in political terms. No imperial past to merit a place in the G20. A dot in the world map geographically, but in the sporting world we are up for the best. Stephen Roach, Barry McGuigan, Georgie Best, Hurricane Higgins, Ronnie Delaney, Rory, Darren Clark, Paul McGinley, Shane Larry, Katie Taylor, Big Packy, Shea Given, Mike Gibson, Brian O'Driscoll, Henry Shevlin, Peter Canavan, 
They've all contributed to a great sport in history. Twelve years ago at the K Club, it was a magical few days, which might be repeated at Adair Manor in 2026. Tiger, Phil Mickelson in a four ball, Michael Jordan watching on, Ray Houghton strolling around, maybe thinking of glory nights in Stuttgart and Giant Stadium. The magic of sport, the opium of the masses, that magical moment that makes people work all week in a shit boring job to participate or watch their heroes at the weekend. They used to say in Glasgow in the economic depression of the 1930s, when we had nothing, we had Celtic. When Darren Clark teed off at the K Club in 06, just weeks after his wife Heller had passed away, the massive empathetic cheer was as loud as the day Ray Houghton put the ball in the English net. And when he finished, when Darren finished his final four ball, there wasn't a dry eye around the 16th green. They might be superstars, but also experience the frailties of life, and we can identify with them. Clark conjured up a piece of magic that day, as did Packy when saving the penalty in Genoa. Barry McGuigan punching the lights out of Pedoza at Loftus Road. Dennis Taylor and Hurricane Higgins, world champions too. Sonia and Ron Del- Ronnie Delaney on the track. Jack Kyle and Johnny Giles at Lansdowne, albeit with different shaped balls. Christy at the Belfry. The magic moments of sport never ending. We live for that adrenaline fix. We live for the underdog to succeed. We suffer to achieve that magic moment. Cycling, running, football, training, golf. Traffic jams and way to Clonus, the Aviva or Croke Park. Taking the overnight coach to paradise to see the Celtic. We might be Europeans in a general sense, but we have that magical Irish twist which makes us different. Life is about being the best you can. You can, not cheating in sport, business or life. It's an even mentality as Terry Eglinton observed. I've seen many magical moments in sport in my lifetime. Georgie Best destroying Scotland at Windsor in 67. Jinky Johnson similarly against Leeds in the European semi at Hamden in 1970. Declan Bonner popping over the final point at Croke Park in 92. Henry Larson at Parkhead in Seville. Kevin Wabba scoring 3-4 in a county semi-final in 03. Actually, I was 10,000 kilometres away golfing in Pattaya, listening to an amazing commentary from Martin McHugh and Charlie Collins in Highland. Down beating the Dubs in the final in 94 in a rainstorm. Tiger at the K Club. Kill Macklin in the Premier League. Playing wee James Brogan in the club match play final in Dunfanaghy when defeat was no shame. Galway Bay Seniors in the Connacht Final 2016. All magical moments of sport and achievement which were achieved with honest endeavour and without the need to resort to underhand activities which spoil the modern game. The most moving moment I've experienced was that very wet Saturday at the Raider Cup in the K Club. As Darren Clark Grange said at the 11th, prepared to play a chip shot. Rain dripping off him and the 30,000 watching on. No safety shot to scrape a half, but the magic of the unexpected. The delicate touch and the feel of the wedge as he drops the titleist perfectly and watches it roll beautifully into the hole. Tiger and Jim Furyk in awe. The gallery erupted, the crowd stretched along the fairway static. 
We might have been soaked, but who cared? It was only rain. This was history in the making, and we were part of it. On a wet autumnal weekend in Kildare, and shared a moment with a big guy from Dungannon who learned his Lynx Gulf and Port Rush. When that chip went in, the tears joined the rain as we embraced sadness and joy with Clark, who had lost his wife six weeks previously. It's moments like that, moments like that which make sports special, which inspire our kids, and that's the biggest disappointment that those cheating in sport bring to the game. That is the evil Terry Eglinton, Eglinton refers to, but his faith in the beautiful game hasn't been fully diluted, as he so eloquently explains. In our own time, one of the most popular and influential branches of the culture industry are unquestionably sport. If you were to ask what provides some meaning in life nowadays for a great many people, you could do worse than reply football. Not many of them perhaps would be willing to admit as such, but sport and football in particular stands in for all those noble causes, religious faith, national sovereignty, personal honour, ethnic identity, for which over the centuries people have been prepared to go to their deaths. Live sport involves tribal loyalties and rivalries, symbolic rituals, fabulous legends, iconic heroes, epic battles, aesthetic beauty, physical fulfillment, intellectual satisfaction, sublime spectaculars, and a profound sense of belonging. It also provides the human solidarity and physical immediacy which television does not. Without these values, a good many lives would no doubt be pretty empty. It's sport, not religion, which is now the opium of the people.